Okay, everybody. Hello. How are you? Welcome to College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maysano. This is your weekly college basketball radio show here on WVOX 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in. This is our second to last show for the season. We will have a show next Monday night, and that's going to be it. And then we'll take a summer break, and we'll be back in the fall when the students go back to college, start analyzing the upcoming season. So we have uh, interesting guests today, R.L. Bynum from the Tar Heel Tribune down in North Carolina to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. We've got a lot of exciting news in the last couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about that with R.L., including... uh, Four of their five starters of the team that came one shot from winning the national championship. Four of the five starters are coming back, which kind of surprised everybody in the college basketball world. And they're talking about running it back next season and this time winning in the finals. Also, Tom Freyer, he's the head coach of Mount St. Michael Academy in the Bronx, one of the top high school programs in New York State. He's called the show quite a few times. He was my classmate at Iona Prep. In 1981, he's a great high school coach, and we want to talk a little bit today about how hard the transfer portal is on high school students looking to get scholarships to play basketball in college. So that should be interesting. All right, let me start with Jay Wright. How could you talk about college basketball this week without mentioning the name Jay Wright? As you all know, Jay Wright is the terrific basketball coach uh, from Villanova University. I didn't realize his name was Gerald Taylor Jay, short uh, for Gerald Taylor, I guess. Wright, born in 1961. He was the basketball coach at Villanova from 2001 to 2022. He led Villanova to six Big East Conference championships, 16 NCAA tournament appearances, and his 21 season as head coach. He shocked the world by retiring last Thursday night. Um, and hearts broke in Villanova land because under Jay Wright, Villanova reached the final four, four times, 2009, 2016, 2018, 2022. And in two of those years, 2016 and 2018, Villanova won the national championship. Jay Wright is highly regarded as one of the best coaches in NCAA history. Uh, He was inducted in 2021 to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. He also coached at Hofstra where he did a great job, took them uh, to two NCAA tournaments. Since I've got involved in being more of someone covering college basketball here on College Hoops Chat rather than just a fan, when I talk to coaches, when I talk to assistant coaches, when I talk to members of the, of the media, I have to tell you, the one thing that's kind of shocking, I think Jay Wright's the one person that everybody loves. I mean, everybody loves Jay Wright. You can't talk to anybody in the college basketball world and not hear how much they like Jay Wright. And, you know, I remember when North Carolina was playing Villanova in the finals at the NCAA tournament. I thought some people in the media were a little harsh on Roy Williams, almost indicating that, you know, Jay Wright's the good guy, not uh, Roy Williams. I happen to think they're both great guys, but I'll tell you, everyone loves Jay Wright. And why wouldn't you? I'm a St. John's fan. If St. John's beat Villanova in a regular season game, Jay Wright goes on Twitter and congratulates St. John's, talks about what a great game they played. Uh, He's apparently a wonderful person, uh, an honorable person. He's also a fabulous basketball coach. It's such a loss to college basketball because I thought he was one of the great voices in the sport. 
uh, a thoughtful, smart, caring, compassionate guy that tried to be fair to everyone, the coaches, the sport itself, the players. I think it's a big loss in the sport, but he'll still be out there. No one knows what's next for Jay Wright. He says he's walking away uh, from the sport. Uh, he'll probably be back in some capacity in about a year. Uh, college, pro basketball, we'll see. But uh, I had massive respect for Jay Wright, and I'm going to miss him as a coach at Villanova. Transfer portal. Let's get into the transfer portal. Now, we're going to talk with R.L. Bynum about the Tar Heels, so we'll wait on that. Providence, we got Kenny from Rye calling at 845. They've had a ridiculous couple of weeks in the transfer portal. I think that Providence is now the best team in the Big East. Bryce Hopkins went from Kentucky today to Providence. Ed Cooley and his team at Providence is killing it in the transfer portal. So I'm going to talk about a couple of the teams that we do follow. Last week, of course, we followed Iona, and we know Iona got five very good freshman recruits and one transfer. So Iona got six new players come in. We talked all about that last night. We're excited for Iona. Some other teams that we follow here I'd like to talk about. So first of all is where my son goes to college, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, we follow them. You know, they had a t they got 18 wins this year, but they didn't make the NIT. I don't really understand why. I thought they got screwed by the NIT. But they fired the coach, Frank Martin, because after getting to the Final Four in 2007 with a really terrific group of players, he had a lot of trouble recruiting. He never got back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, outside of uh, that run in 2017, they didn't, you know, have a lot of uh, years that they weren't just a 500 kind of team at South Carolina. So I'm, I love Frank Martin. I think he's a good man and a great coach, but he, he didn't recruit well in the SEC. So a new coach, Lamont Paris, comes in. He coached Chattanooga last year. He's a very impressive young man. I wish him well. My son goes to South Carolina. I want them to win. They got two big transfers this week, so I was happy to tell you. Hayden Brown from the Citadel, 19 points a game. 10 rebounds a game, 52% field goal percentage. He's a really good player. He's only got one year left, but that's a great stabilizing recruit for the new coach at South Carolina, Lamont Paris. And then today, uh, Michi Johnson, a six foot two backup point guard, Ohio State, the four-star recruit, uh, played 17 minutes a game last year for Ohio State. He's had some injuries, but he's got three years left. That's a great recruit for South Carolina. So South Carolina looked like they were in trouble because they needed five players. And now they've got uh, Hayden Brown and Michi Johnson. So now they have uh, three or four scholarships open. So hopefully getting those two guys will help South Carolina get some more big-time recruits to rebuild that team, be competitive in the SEC, because I'd like my son to see winning basketball. Everyone knows I went to St. Bonaventure. I tell you all the time, love that school and love that basketball program. Things were shaky for St. Bonaventure as of about a week ago. As we all know, because I've told you so many times, they had five seniors that started last year. Kyle Lofton, Dominic Welch, Jaron Holmes, Oshin Ashuni, and Jalen Attaway. So no one knows if they were coming back. Well, Lofton uh, is thinking about going pro. Welch is thinking about going pro. And Oshuni's thinking about going pro. Uh, but they didn't ent enter the transfer portal, which is good. Unfortunately, Jalen Attaway decided to go pro. And Jaron Holmes, kind of surprisingly, great kid, great player, decided to go in a transfer portal. So if Kyle Lofton, Dominic Welch, and Oshin Ashuni come back, uh, St. Bonaventure's in pretty good shape, but they still have two big holes to fill. Jaron Holmes may transfer. Jalen Attaway wants to go pro. So two big recruits, and one of them you all know from the NCAA tournament, Daryl Banks, the leading scorer for St. Peter's, uh, also the guy who played the most for St. Peter's, 11.3 points a game. He's a 37% three-point shooter. Very good player. 
he transferred to St. Bonaventure this week. So excited. And Moses Flowers, the best player on Hartford, University of Hartford up in Connecticut, 14 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, sophomore. So two big recruits to St. Bonaventure. They could mix in with the three returning seniors who all have one year left because of the extra COVID year. So St. Bonaventure may be really good again next year. Uh, we're excited about that. So there's South Carolina. There's St. Bonaventure. One last rumor before I think our guest is on the line. One last rumor. Uh, we know St. John's got Andre Crabello from Illinois, a big-time recruit. But they're also apparently close to getting Davy Jones, a six-foot-six forward from DePaul, who averaged 14.5 points a game and 7.5 rebounds a game. He's just a sophomore. That would be a great get for St. John's. I'm hoping he ends up at St. John's. We root for St. John's here at College Hoops Chat. All right, so that's a couple of players I want to mention, schools mentioned on the transfer portal. But there's one school that doesn't have to worry about the transfer portal. And that's the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I believe we have on the line R.L. Bynum from the Tar Heel Tribune. R.L., are you there? I'm here. Good to, good to talk with you again, Jim. Thanks so much. Yes, you were on the show earlier in the year. And uh, I'm a big Tar Heel fan. And I have a, we have a second home down in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I feel like I'm a legitimate Tar Heel fan because I am a property owner in the great state of North Carolina. And I've been rooting for them for about two decades. So uh, what an amazing year. And uh, one thing uh, right off the bat, besides covering the Tar Heels, all different sports, including women's basketball uh, at the Tar Heel Tribune, you got a chance to sit courtside at the Final Four this year. How cool. Yeah, that, that, that was an amazing experience. Uh, the uh, the uh, Duke-Carolina game was uh, one of the more thrilling, uh, action-packed, uh, nervous types of games I've ever covered. Uh, and just, just the, the monumental nature of it being ultimately Mike Krzyzewski's last game and just the rivals playing each other on a big stage was amazing. And then it turns out I got the bonus that the same day I saw uh, Jay Wright coach his last game on the same evening. So that was pretty amazing. How was the gym? Was the, uh, you know, sometimes it's, I always find like, the final four is interesting because you have four different fan bases in the gym besides regular fans that pop in too. Um, and I guess, you know, what we often see is the fans from the other schools not in the game kind of pick their allegiance. Did you see all that happening in the game? I, it, it seemed to be pretty split. I, I really thought it was fairly well split, even though I'm guessing there were more Carolina fans in the stadium than there were Duke fans because uh, maybe people were cheering for Coach K. I don't know. But it, it seemed pretty, pretty well split and pretty loud for both sides. What about the other game, Kansas-Villanova? How about that? Was that split, too? Yeah, I, I think that was um, more Kansas because they had more fans there. Right. Uh, they, 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 their fans uh, go wherever they play and, and in large numbers. It's true. Kansas travels. It's a great pro. It's a, listen, you had a, you had a lot of great basketball programs, Blue Bloods, in the Final Four. Kansas, Villanova, North Carolina, Duke. I mean, you got to see a premier Final Four. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, I couldn't have asked for much much better. I mean, I went to Arizona in 2017. That wasn't quite blue bloods there. You had South Carolina in the mix there in Oregon. But uh, this year it was uh, four teams that probably uh, dream, dream uh, full for CBS, that's for sure, or TBS, I guess it was. So I'm going to tell you, as, a, as somebody who does cover college basketball here on the radio show, and as you know, I on social media too. And 
Um, but I'm also a fan. I can't not be a fan uh, of North Carolina. So here's how I view the season. I was wondering how if you have a similar take. So when we lost to Pitt in mid-February, I was depressed, like so many North Carolina fans. They all said I uh, got blown up by Miami and Wake Forest a, a couple weeks before that. So, um, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in the season. This team seemed like it was having trouble kind of getting their rotation set. And then uh, UB Davis makes some changes, tightens the rotation, goes with the Iron Five, uh, mostly plays five guys for the rest of the game. The team turns around, goes on this um, unbelievable run, wins that epic game at Cameron, beats Duke uh, in Coach Case's final game on his home court. Then they make this run through the NCAA tournament, um, and, and, they, and they end up losing to Kansas when they had the ball to tie the game in the final seconds. You know, I wasn't that heartbroken. I know that sounds funny when my team loses when they have the ball to tie, but it was such an amazing turnaround in, in the course of about 45 days. I'm just looking at the season as a Tario fan like, that was so much fun. Yeah, it was really amazing because, uh, like you said, when they lost to Pittsburgh, I was thinking they're bubbling bursted and they were looking at the NIT, but, uh, but the team just came around and, and I really, I think it all started after the uh, losses at Miami and Wake Forest when, uh, Dawson Garcia left the team and Brady Manick became a starter in every game and, and that those five just started meshing. Of course, you have the hiccup against Pittsburgh and the hiccup in the first, uh, game against Duke, but, I, I think that was addition by subtraction uh, when, when he left, and and that that those five could really get that chemistry going, and and certainly they were not playing very well in January and February, but I would argue to you that they they were the best team in the country in March, and if Armando Baycott wasn't having to limp around uh, on uh, that Monday night, uh, Carolina wins. He wasn't having that issue with his ankle. He probably doesn't slip there in the end, and he scores. And and then then you know Caleb Wobb twisted his ankle twice. Uh, you know, uh, Puff Johnson got took a shot to the stomach. I mean, they were like a mash unit at the end of that game. That's I'm true. quite sure. I'm quite sure if it was a nondescript regular season game, Armando Baker wouldn't have not have even played in that game. Oh, I agree. And I think it's a fair... I don't even know if Kansas fans would disagree that much. A fully healthy Baycott, it might have been a different outcome in the final game. Uh, nevertheless, they were there with the ball to tie it up anyway. Great season. So much fun. Uh, I enjoyed it like as much as I enjoyed even the rides where they won the, you know, the Tyler Hansbrough teams and those other teams that won the national championship under Roy Williams. That I, I was more around for those following them then. So it's been a lot of fun to be a Tarzan. As my son jokes... RL. You know, we're up here in New York. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Jets and Giants fan. You know, uh, my son always joked, the smartest thing you ever did, Dad, was make me a North Carolina uh, Tar Heel fan. I got the most joy from that. Well, you got a New York kid in R.J. Davis. We do. Although, you want something funny. R.J. Davis, when I went to Iona Prep, which is a very strong school up here in New York and very good at basketball. Uh, our arch rival, Stepanek, uh, so, and my son also went to Iona Prep. R.J. Davis went to our rival Stepanak, so when he went to North Carolina, I was like, oh, no, I got to root for a Stepanak guy. Oh, but you got over it. I got over it really fast because he's a great player and a great kid. Now, you, so you've interviewed him, right? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Good kid, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and intense. And you got you to gotta love his dogged uh, determination on the court. I mean, 
his performance in that game at in Durham was just amazing, and he was the main reason they won that game. He was, and uh, I, actually, I actually thought give Bill Self some credit. In the second half, he had the defense clamped down on RJ. And I do think he got a little tired in the second half of the national championship. You know, Bill Self knows how to coach defense. He's a, he's a smart guy, too. And, uh, you know, I, I think RJ ran a little out of gas. The guy did so much for the team. You're right, from that Duke win, through the even through the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, he really was uh, the motor of the team. And I think he got a little tired in that final game. Yeah, man, and Kansas defended Carolina much better than Duke, which, frankly, isn't saying a lot. I mean, Carolina in the in this the game at Durham and the, and the game in New Orleans, they on the pick and rolls on off ball screens, they were just killing Duke. Uh, they didn't know they 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 just uh, couldn't handle it, and uh, it's just noticeable. E- even when Carolina uh, got off to the big lead in the first half, it was noticeable that Kansas was playing much better defense than Duke had the, uh, two days earlier. No question. And, uh, no yeah. question. And that finally, that finally that finally had an impact in the second half. No question. If you looked at the final four games and then you looked at the finals games, there's no question that Kansas plays much better defense than Duke. It's not even a close call. Like, I agree with you on that. Listen, before we change the subject, um, any thoughts on Ray uh, on um, Jay Wright's retirement? Well, I'll tell you, that that's one of the good guys to uh, leave college basketball, which is sad, particularly at his age. Uh, you know, he it wasn't quite as as uh, bad as of a of a self evaluation as Roy Williams provided when he retired, uh, but there was a little bit of that saying he lost his edge. But my goodness, how many coaches who lose their edge would would mind making the final four? You know, sure. I don't think he lost his edge that much. And and what if Justin Moore's not hurt? Uh, they maybe they beat Kansas. I agree. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't buy that Roy Williams had lost a lot off his fastball, and I don't buy that Jay Williams, uh, uh, Jay Wright has uh, lost anything either. But, I agree. Uh, a good guy that we'll miss in college basketball for sure. I, I totally agree. I, I actually think Jay Wright's one of the best college basketball coaches I've, I've ever seen over a course of a career. So, uh, best wishes to him. What he ends up doing. I don't want to change the subject. It's only about four minutes left. Um, so. Or when the season ended, if you and I were chit-chatting on Twitter, and I would have said, we'll probably lose Baycott and Caleb Love. Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, probably go pro. Their names are on the boards. They were on the boards for possibly being drafted in the first or second round. Their names were up there. Um, I thought we'd lose two. We, now, we knew we were losing Brady Manick because he has no more eligibility. I thought we'd lose Baycott and Love. So uh, the season ends. And everybody's waiting, and all of a sudden, you find out that Baycott's coming back, and then Leaky Black, the lockdown defender, is going to go in fifth year, and then R.J. Davis says he's coming back, and Caleb Love says he's coming back, which means four of the five starters that were playing in that game, one shot away from the national championship, are coming back for North Carolina. That is such a big story. Tell us about it. And I don't think it happens if this is two years ago or one year ago before NIL, because I'm not really surprised that Armando Baycott came back. Because if you look at the money he can make with NIL, it's better money than he'd make with a two-way contract in the NBA or in Europe. And and why not come back and make make the same or better money and maybe win a national championship, maybe get his number 
Uh, Fortunately, in the Raptors, which he probably already should have because he probably should have been the ACC Player of the Year. But so, so I wasn't surprised that he came back. I I was I, I wasn't surprised that Caleb Love came back. I was a little surprised that he didn't enter his name in the NBA draft process to kind of get a gauge of what he needs to work on. That surprised me a little bit, but you know, that he 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 knew what he wanted to do. And I, as far as the other two starters, I, uh, I, I figured that Leaky Black and R.J. Davis would be coming back. But the, the, the main thing, you look at you look at Carolina's six national championships. All the, the point guard on all six were upperclassmen, uh, and five of them were juniors. One of them was a senior, Jenny Black, in 1982. So you got to have experience at guard. That makes a huge difference. And then all the starting fives were upperclassmen, except one in 1982. They started a freshman named Jordan. But other than that, uh, all, all, all the starters from all the national championship teams are, were upperclassmen. So experience and, and also this continuity. If you look at uh, before Davis and Love came in, Carolina had three point guards in three years with Joel Berry in 2017-18 and Kobe White and Cole Anthony. And and the continuity is, is is huge because learning to be a point guard in college basketball, particularly in the Carolina system, whether it be Roy Williams' system or Hubert Davis' system, it's a big learning curve, and and uh, it, it's really hard to thrust a freshman in there like that. But uh, they don't have to worry about that next year. Yeah, it's going to be great. So they so so while all these teams are duking it out to get guys out of the transfer portal, North Carolina doesn't even have an open scholarship to take somebody out of the transfer portal. It's kind of unbelievable, right? It is, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised, and and I'll hold out until May 1st to see that <clears throat> nothing happens. I'm, I still am, am, am a little surprised that there hasn't been somebody else who decided to transfer with, with like you said, an iron five and a lot of people not getting playing time, but apparently everybody's coming back, and, you know, they're at the 13 scholarship limit, so they can't bring any anybody. And, I'm re- and, I agree. Uh, and Bart Baycott said last week that he's getting calls from all kinds of players, top-line players who would love to transfer, but they don't have the space. And Hubert, you know, there are some coaches, technically NCAA rules, scholarships go from year to year. There are some coaches that would say, hey, come on, I need to bring in a guy. You, 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 can't you go somewhere else? But Hubert Davis is not the kind of a guy who's going to do that. So I don't see an opening coming unless one of those guys just decides he wants to try something else. Say, all right, RL, thank you so much. You did a great job. I appreciate it. Nice chatting with you. We'll talk to you again next season. How about that? All right, sounds good, Jim. Take care. Thanks so much. All right, RL Bynum, Tar Heel Tribune. All right, folks, we're going to the commercial break, and we'll be back for the second half of the show. They're playing okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I am Jim Misano, your host. We're beginning the second half of the show, and uh, on the line is the head basketball coach at Mount St. Michael Academy in the Bronx, one of the top basketball programs in the state of New York. Tom Freyer, how are you tonight? Hey, how you doing, kid? I'm doing great. Having fun with the show. We just got to t- talk about the Tar Heels. As you know, I love the Tar Heels, so it was fun to talk about four of their five starters coming back next year from a team that was one shot from the national championship. What do you think about that, Tommy Freyer? I thought we were coming on to talk about the Mets. I, I know the Mets the are another show. show. I we're talk about the Mets. Another show about the, the first place Mets. <laughs> How about the first place Mets? 
Are you kidding? 12-5, and five, playing great. Great pitching, making plays, and swinging the bats. I love it. I'm very happy with the Mets. I'm happy with my Toriels next season. Yeah. I'm happy with uh, um, my St. Bonaventure goes to the semifinals in NIT. Another bad year, Tom Frere. I told you what the NIT stands for. It stands for not in tournaments. So oh, don't get be all nice. You, now, you always tell me, you always tell me all these guys want to do is play. Well, if you can keep playing and let the season keep going at NIT, God bless you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's more games. I agree. Yeah, Carolina, I mean, that, that's a story really developing over the last couple of weeks. You know, all those guys are coming back. So, I mean, obviously, you know, they're going to be the preseason number one team. You know, Love is back and Davis is back and, and, and the big kid. Um, Armando Baycott. Baycott, yep. I Love mean, him. you know, Leaky Black coming uh, back. Great. Those are four. Those are four huge pieces, you know, to a team that went to the championship game. So Carolina's looking good. All right. So hopefully we can sit at a bar next year and watch North Carolina Duke again. We've done that in the past. All right. Yes, we have. Let's get into uh, your Mount St. Michael program. How we doing at Mount St. Michael? I know you got off to a hot start, kind of cooled off a little, and uh, I guess maybe. It's always a tough season in that Catholic High School Athletic Associates. So many good teams. Uh, it's it's the, the talent level is incredible. It really is across the board from Westchester to the Bronx and to Brooklyn. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, just a very high level of high school basketball. But we had a pretty good season, battled some injuries, but I think we get the most out of our group. And now it's uh, you know we're five weeks done, and now it's preseason conditioning with. Lots of weightlifting and stuff, and the kids are playing AAU. I had two kids in Kansas this weekend. Two more are going to Chicago next weekend. So, you know, the thing with high school kids now, it's one season ends and one season begins. So it's it's just continuous. But, uh, you know, all good, all good. So they play basketball year-round. Sometimes I wonder about kids playing one sport year-round. Back when we grew up, we played different sports. Sometimes I want how good it is for their bodies to play one sport all the time. Maybe it's better like you like you played basketball and baseball. I, I you know I was swimming and track and soccer. So you know sometimes I wonder. Do you ever wonder about that as a coach? You know, not not really. Not not in New York City. I mean, listen, these kids are great athletes. There's, there's no argument there. Um, you know, to, to play basketball year round. That's what most of these guys are doing now. They 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 they're just. You know, developing their craft, whether they play bas- basketball, baseball, or football. And, you know, there are some kids out there that do play two sports. But as, as the years go on, you see more and more one-sport athletes right. where these kids are just playing that sport year-round, and especially in basketball because AAU is starting now. It's going to go right to the end of July. You know, and then you get three or four weeks off in August, and then you're back to school in September doing preseason stuff and there's preseason camps and so on. Right. So the days of, you know, and it depends on the school, too. It depends on the location, city school, suburban school. You know, you have football kids playing lacrosse. Um, you have basketball kids, some running track. So it does, you know, it does mix up with two two sports, but there's a lot of kids out there just kind of concentrating on one. And I'm right. not saying that's good or bad. All right, so... So let's get into one of the things we want to talk about tonight, and that is high school basketball players are having a tough time getting this type of scholarships they used to get only a few years ago, and everybody, you and everyone else, believe it's because of the transfer portal. You have a very strong player at Mount St. Michael that probably would have gotten, he does have Division I offers, but might have gotten better ones years past. Uh, He's still trying to get the best opportunity. Something you're concerned about, you've told me many times, we're in a 
talk about it. So tell us about the problems with the transfer portal. Yeah, the portal's a big, big problem with high school players right now. It's a big problem. Um, I haven't been on it in like two weeks, but there's probably 1,500 to 2,000 names in it. You know, and I've said this before, college coach, you know, you have college coaches out there, especially guys that are on the chopping block that have been told by their athletic directors, you got to win next year or you're out. And in order to win, they're looking to get that two- or three-year college veteran who's 20, 21 years old, whose body is physically mature, where they have a better chance to go win now than, you know, taking a taking a shot on an 18-year-old kid out of high school. Um, there, you know, you look at a lot of the rosters this past year, a lot of teams made big, big jumps and wins because they were able to invade the portal. I mean, Fordham University being one of them. Sure. You know, I think he had seven or eight transfers on it. They went from, you know, six or seven wins to like 16 wins. Well, that doesn't happen, you know, because there's great coaching. I'm not not in the, you know, the coaching situation, but you win with players and you win with veterans. You win with experienced kids. And you have college guys out there right now that, and I've had coaches tell me, we're looking at the portal. And after the portal, we're going to look at the junior kids, junior college kids. And then if there's anybody still left, and we have a scholarship or two come mid to late May, you know, we'll, we may take a chance on a high school kid. But right now it's, it's the portal, the portal, the portal. Everybody's looking to see what they need, whether they need a five, they need, you know, a, a point guard, they need, they need a, a scorer. They're going to invade that portal and hopefully come away with something. So the high school kids are really there's, – there's very few spots for some of them. So, so there and, are uh, kids. It, there are kids, Tom. That play in the Catholic High School Athletic Association, the CHSAA, this famous basketball conference. There are guys that play mm-hmm. really well in that conference this year that are sitting right now waiting to see if they're going to get an offer after Absolutely. the portal. So they don't even know if they're going to get a college scholarship? No. My, my, my player, Noah Best, was in Kansas this weekend. And he went out there because it's a live period. And he's playing in front of a bunch of coaches. And... Um, you know, and there's the, the big kid at Hayes, the kid, the kid Toby, who's a great, great six-eight five-man, who's gotten a lot of mid-major offers. He's looking for for a higher level, but you know, he's a little undersized for a higher level five, and he's kind of holding out. But there are a bunch of players out there, and you know, and and some of it's on the players because you know, some of them they dream big, where the reality is they're a low to a mid-major, but they want to be. Big Ten, ACC, Big East consideration, so they hold out, hold out. Meanwhile, they give it up on a max scholarship or, you know, maybe an A-10. Um, so sometimes the decisions aren't the best of decisions for the kids. However, you talk to college coaches, they're, they're, they'll flat out tell you, no, we're looking at the portal first. Very interesting. So, yeah, you know, we, so we don't want to discuss any particular kid right now, but like you mentioned that uh, – a kid you know could go to the A-10, Atlantic 10 Conference, a great conference, a lot of really good basketball sure. in that conference. He could sure. go there right now, but he's holding out for a higher scholarship. The problem for that kid, Tom, if he waits too long, he might give up those mid-major Atlantic 10-type offers, and then if he waits too long, he might have nothing, right? Yeah, but the mindset there is if I don't get what I want, I'll go to prep school. Okay. But okay. the problem with prep school is the money in the prep school – isn't what it used to be. I mean, prep schools used to give money out and full scholarships out left and right. Now a lot of them aren't doing it. You got some prep schools out there, forty, fifty, sixty thousand a year. Wow. So you know you might 
you know, a coach there might tell a family, yeah, we'll take you, but you know what? We can only give you 30. You got to go for 20. And they're not doing that. Wow. So they're, you know, they're rolling the dice in a lot of different ways and it'll work out for a couple of kids. But the last two years with the COVID, okay, and, you know, the portal being the way it is, you know, the NCAA has really screwed this up. They really have. They'd never admit it, but they have. Right. And you know what's interesting, though, about back to what you just said about some of these kids are making a mistake by not just taking a MAC or an A-10 or a Colonial-type scholarship. Good, Very good basketball conferences, frankly. They're just not power. Six conferences. Um, what's what I would say to the kid if I was the coach, and I'm sure you've done this. I'm going to say something now. I guarantee you've said this sentence. Go take the best offer you have, play well there, and you can always transfer if you want to. Yeah, but you know what? That's been in the back of my mind, but being kind of old school, you know, I want my players to commit and commit for four years. Right. You know, I, I, don't, I don't push go for one, use them for one, and leave. Although that's in everybody's, you know, in everybody's mind. You know, I, I just think that, you know, you lose a little, little credibility there where you've had a coach, you know, kind of say, hey, we want you, you know, and we're hoping you stay for four years. But then on the flip side, let's be honest, a coach, a coach wouldn't think twice about leaving if he gets a better deal. So, right. you know, it's a two-way street here. It's Good. a two-way street. Listen, that's why, you're, that's why you're my friend. You're an honorable man. But even you have told me, <laughs> uh, we won't mention any names, you had a kid that you helped get into a scholarship and – he transferred after the first year, even though you thought it was a bad idea. So even kids, if you kind of guided that way, they they left after oh, yeah. the first year. Well, I've told him. I told the kid who's at a really good school, and he was the he was the rookie of the year in the conference. He was going to write his ticket, write his story at the school, and he wanted to play at a little bit higher level. And I told him I was against it. And I remember telling him, "You guys are on the cusp of of being an NCAA tournament team." And guess what? He left. And that team, that school won the won their conference and went to the NCAA tournament. So, listen, you can only guide these kids. You know, they respect your thoughts, but in the long run, they're going to make the decision they want to make. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of voices in the ears of these kids. Right. You know, um, whether it's family, whether it's AAU coaches, whether it's friends. You know, as as an educator and as a coach, you, you just try to set up the best scenario. And if they listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. Right. All right, Tom, we got about 45 seconds left. Tell me your thoughts on the great coach, Jay Wright, retiring. Listen, he knew it was time. I mean, what, what more is there for him to do? Two national championships, been to the Final Four, what, four times, right? Yes. He, he uh, Big East champion five or six. He's done it all. I mean, what does he need to lead for? And I, and I hate the idea... Of people saying he's going to the NBA. What does he want to do that for? He's done it all. If he gets his batteries charged and he wants to come back in two or three years and coach another four or five, he'll have any job that he wants. Right. All right. Great way so, to finish. Tom Freyer, thank you so much. You did a great job as always. All right, Mace. Thank Enjoy. you. Bye-bye, Tommy Freyer. Great job. The great coach of Mount St. Michael. All right, folks. Commercial break. And then we'll be right back. Okay, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. We have Kenny from Rye on the phone, our number one caller, the Providence Friar. Kenny from Rye, how are you? James, how are we doing? Doing great. So um, before we get into Providence Friars, you're a Big East fan. 
You've been rooting for the Big East and watching the Big East uh, since high school. And we have friends, you, you and I, that we grew up with that went to Villanova. And uh, so it's hard. Uh, you know, I'm sure, obviously, you root against Providence over Villanova. But, you know, we're, we have a lot of respect for Villanova as a program and as a university. And Jay Wright retired. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, when the Big East, you know, went to now, I guess, 2.0 or 3.0, maybe, you know, sans football, a lot of people had a lot of doubts on the division, that they were the small Catholic schools, they couldn't compete with the big universities. Um, you know, this is a new generation. If you don't have football, you can't be successful. And he proved them wrong. And so that really Villanova, in, in, in its next iteration, it really kind of catapulted the new Big East and, you know, gave credibility to where a lot of people were ready, ready to kick it down. So their success, you know, has dragged everybody up with it. And I think it also helped everybody else as well because of the fact is that they see our national championships now two times, you know, X amount of times in the, in, the, in the final four. That makes a huge difference because of the fact is that you can sell to the recruiting. We're going to play Villanova twice a year. We're going to see them in the Big East tournament. And they've won the national championship, and they're going to hear that and see that, and it makes a big difference. So they were a huge, huge part of the, the success of what is now, I guess you'd say, uh, the Big East 3.0. So true. I'm looking at his stats as a coach. Listen to this, Kenny. From the season of 2013-2014 to the season of 2019-2020, all right? So, uh, well, actually, no, 2018-2019, that COVID year. So those six years in a row, right? Villanova, over that six-year period, averaged 32 wins a game. That's, like, unbelievable. This little small Catholic college up in the Northeast and... They average 32 wins a game. That is an incredible run for Jay Wright. That's an historic run. I mean, exactly. We, we talk about Coach K, and we talk about all these other coaches, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, out in Kansas, Bill Self. I mean, Jay Wright has been the premier coach the last 10 years. I mean, there's, there's no debating that from a standpoint of not his record, his success in the, in the, in the, in the Big East, but also in the NCAAs. So, uh, you know, they, they have been the premier program. I mean, and, and again, that has translated into the success of the rest of the Big East as well. And I think it helps them with TV, recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it is, it is a kind of a sad day for the Big East, but hopefully uh, his handpicked successor will continue that, um, you know, uh, I guess I don't want to say dominance, uh, but uh, success. So Kyle Neptune walks in. He's the former coach of Fordham only one year, but did an excellent job, got them up to be a 500 team, which Fordham hasn't seen in a long time in the A-10. He did, really did an excellent job. Now he goes to Villanova. He's got a tough road ahead of him. It's hard to follow Jay Wright, that's for sure. No, I mean, it's brutal to follow a legacy. I mean, you think of UCLA, they're still talking about John Wooden. And so that I think, you know, you've, you've got that, that, that one hangover issue. You're never as good as X. I mean, Florida has seen that with Billy Donovan. They're still talking about him, and the court is named after him. So that um, it, is, it is a hard road to follow. But I think if that new coach decides he's not Jay Wright, he's, he's who he is, and, and goes down the path of where he believes he can be successful. That you know, hopefully that will that that momentum will carry him in. And, and you're right; he did a very very good job in in somewhat of a difficult circumstance at Fordham. Not only standpoint of uh, the, the league they're in, but also the fact is that with you know a lot of people leaving on him, and he had to re-recruit everybody and you know, get new players. And I think he did a very good job in, in a very good division. The A10 is an excellent division. I agree, and I feel a little bad for Fordham, their athletic director. Did a great job of, of identifying the best coach possible that can turn around the program. He was right. 
He picked the right guy. He turned around the program, and he's gone in one year because Jay Wright retires. It's kind of heartbreaking, but I know Fordham's working hard right now to get another coach. Uh, we're very fond of the athletic director, um, so we'll see what happens there. All right, Ken, let's change to the Providence Friars, your beloved Providence Friars, who right now are right up there probably with Arkansas as the two best teams uh, in the portal, the most successful teams in the portal this year for getting the most talent from the transfer portal. How exciting is that as a Providence Friar fan? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I was looking at this and, and and the people that are coming to the school outside of the two, uh, you know, would-be freshmen, uh, one of them being a, a four-star who's supposed to be an excellent point guard. It is interesting. He, he These are people, I don't want to say he's re-recruiting them, but they're coming here knowing Ed Cooley. They're coming here knowing Providence College. They have visited Providence College. Providence College, and many times, was you know the top three of one of their picks. Providence College was a program they knew. They knew players there. So th- this is a situation where he's taking advantage of the opportunity of staying in touch, if you want to call it, with the people that he recruited that he was close with. Corey Floyd, the, the, the person that uh, committed last week from UConn, it was going to give us four years. He's an interesting candidate. His father went to Providence College, so he's completely familiar with it. Chose UConn, it didn't work out. Now he's coming to Providence College. Uh, Bryce Hopkins, who's the, the most, the latest, is coming from Kentucky. They knew him. They recruited him. He knows Ed Cooley. He knows the staff. He's going to give Providence College three years. So you know those two players right there have a connection right off the bat. So hopefully, I guess you'd say the small mistake they made or the the small regret they have about choosing another school that's relieved because they're coming to the place they know they're not they're not coming here because it's the only offer they have they're coming here because they know the place like the coach like the coaching staff and like the school i agree i agree ed cooley has and his staff ed cooley and his staff uh, i'm sure yep. our friend bob walsh who calls the school is intricately involved in all this very smart guy ed cooley and his staff has a great strategy for the portal and he's winning their staff is winning the portal congratulations kenny from rye yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, your guest, hopefully next week, Brian Harrington, it told me this about a little over a year ago when Neil came into the factor and the transfer portal. So it all came coming rushing down. And he was talking about Alabama, and he was talking about Nick Saban. And he said he knew from his connections in the college basketball world that he said he had heard about Alabama. And what Nick Saban was going to do was going to cut down the amount of freshmen he was recruiting, keep that pipeline open, but then also other people that go on to – Western Michigan, uh, Northern Iowa, uh, University of Illinois, you know, even places out west. He's going to keep an eye on them because the fact is that he wants to see how they perform. And if they excel out there, he's going to he's going to turn around and say, "Come here now, now when now we know who you are and where you fit in our program." And that 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 person most likely had been either contacted or knows Alabama, who doesn't know Alabama college football, and so that he's got a distinct advantage. And he's also reduced the risk of the people coming into his program. He knows who they are. They've, they've excelled at college, not just the high school they came from. So I think Ed is following that, that track in, in the sense that he's keeping in contact, keeping an eye on these recruits, and knowing that there's an opportunity if, if some or many, in this case, you know, decide they want to transfer. Hey, listen, Transfer Portal uh, can be damaging to a college sports team, football and basketball in particular, and it could also be great for them. And Providence is having a good run. Take a look at my son's uh, school for football, right? So last year, they kind of struggled at the quarterback position. They did not have uh, a top-tier quarterback at the SEC level. South Carolina still made a bowl game. They had a pretty good year. They would have been way better if they had a quarterback. They got Spencer Rattler. 
a former Heisman guy, you know, potential Heisman winner from Oklahoma is going to quarterback South Carolina this year. I mean, they went from struggling to getting a former Heisman hopeful. That's what the transfer portal could do. Could you imagine the difference for South Carolina to have a Heisman hopeful walk in and be the quarterback? Yeah, and not only that, if I understand correctly, he has recruited a lot of players that he knew in his other prior world. And then also, you know, bringing the opportunity that, you know, there's a wide open opportunity here at USC in the SEC. The interesting thing on the flip side, they lost their basketball coach. He got fired. He moves out. The people he recruited, and including one that's going to Providence, have now all left. As you say, LSU lost their, foot, yeah, lost their basketball exactly. coach. The entire team decided to transfer. So, you know, this is, as you say, a Cats 22 for many programs. You've got to be very careful what you're doing. You're right. The same college had... Uh, lost a bunch of players in basketball, but brought in a bunch of players in football. The women's basketball doesn't have to worry. She recruits them. She keeps them. She does player development, and she wins national championships. I don't know if you know. I, I, I was going to tell you about this on the phone. We talked last night. Darius Rucker, the famous country singer and former uh, guy from the Hootie and the Blowfish, he did a free concert last night at the University of South Carolina for 18,000 students in the arena to congratulate the women's basketball team. They had them up on the stage. I mean, this was a heck of an event for the school to have Darius Rucker and the rapper Nelly together on the stage to honor the women's basketball team. And every student got a free ticket. How cool is that? That's what happens when you win a championship. Yeah, success begets success. So uh, there's no doubt about it. You need, to, you need to ride that while you have it. And you'd be silly not to because your recruiting becomes a lot easier for you, not only on the women's, but I think on any sport. I mean, they talk about, you know, we think about it our day, Doug Flutie catapulted to BC into, into the stratosphere, you know, off, the, off, the, off their success of, you know, college football in the Northeast. So, right, right. Uh, it's uh, very interesting at, at South Carolina because by far the best team in the school is the women's basketball team. And Dawn Staley's like a John Wooden, uh, my Coach K level, uh, great coach in history of women's basketball. She's that good. Yeah, 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 exactly. And she beat, she beat the John Wooden of uh, basketball in the final, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. It is pretty cool. they got a great program. And the fact that they celebrated uh, those champion uh, women last night, that was pretty cool to have them on the stage with the rapper and Darius Rucker. It, it was a great night for the school. All right, Kenny from Rye, there's the music. Uh, we're done. Thank you for all your great analysis, as always. All right, James, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right, it's Kenny from Rye, our number one caller. The key, key player on our our roster here at College Troops Chat. All right, that's it, folks. That's the music. We're going to the commercial break, and we will be back next week. Last show of the season, College Troops Chat. See you then. I'm Jim McSennell.